Hey, 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 thanks for tuning in. This is Sustainability Matters with Christina Trujillo. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Sustainability Matters with Christina Trujillo. Today, I want to talk a little bit about the history of the textile industry. Did you know that before the 1920s, the textile industry was a booming industry here in the United States? Since the end of World War II, the rise of the Industrial Revolution, all of that changed dramatically. History shows that China, 1910, there were only one million cotton spindles, and half of that was owned by the Chinese, while the other half was owned either by English or Japanese. However, In a five-year span between 1916 and 1920, China purchased more spindles than they had in the 50 years prior. This was because the Chinese government financed this purchase. Chinese Mill Owners Association shows that the Chinese ownership of spindles in Shanghai and other places grew to 2 million 842,910 spindles in operation during that time. Now, some concerns that were brought up during that time were attributed to China's population and the fact that it was four times that of the United States, however, only housing 8% of the spindle ability of the United States. But the increase of the spindles could go on for quite some time, nearly a century, without saturating the country with cotton mills. And some factors stood in the way, like high tariffs, and China was pretty much a dumping ground at the time. Also, famines and devastations in the area caused a cessation for demand of yarn. Not to mention, the value of yarn fluctuated greatly due to violent fluctuations in the Chinese dollar. Between 1910 and 1920, the Chinese dollar fluctuated a whopping 60 cents going from a dollar and 10 cents US currency in 1910 to only 50 cents in 1920 raising the price of yarn double now with the rise of the industrial revolution and cotton spinning mills gaining traction in China and other places overseas. The U.S. textile industry was starting to feel even more pressure to stay in the game. In 1921, a consensus of the South Carolina Cotton Manufacturers Association implemented further cuts to wages due to textile wages being higher than they were in 1914 by a hundred percent 
as well as extremely expensive freight rates, which were holding back businesses from improvement. Increased competition and frequent price revisions, in addition to the lowering of wages, created a growing feeling of fear amongst U.S. cotton growers and sellers of cotton goods. In 1928, further trying to keep up with increased competition and increased production cost, minimizing waste in the cutting room became a concern. Waste is more likely to cut into profits in many cases or eliminate profits altogether. And when that happens, it's dangerous for any business. Little concern previously had been paid to the cutting department with only a foreman being entrusted to ensure that the garments are being cut responsibly and from the least possible yardage. However, to mitigate waste, some manufacturers installed systems that can assist them in understanding whether more cloth is being used in a garment than what is necessary and whether or not cloth was wasted by the cutting department. This is accomplished through a simple piece goods or stop record. Each cloth delivered to the cutting department has a ticket attached showing the exact yardage in that piece and the stub of the ticket is detached and turned into the office where it's entered into a stock record. The cutter is to mark the exact number of yards used in the spaces allotted on the card and this is used to subtract the cloth and stock because all the pieces are ticketed. It takes a quick inventory to check the numbers. The U.S. textile industry continued to decline rapidly. In 1947, the General Agreement on Tariff and Trade was signed October 30th by 23 countries. This was a legal agreement to minimize barriers to international trade by eliminating or reducing quotas, tariffs, and subsidies while preserving significant regulations. The purpose? to boost economic recovery after World War II via reconstructing and liberalizing global trade. In 1961, another post-World War II evaluation of the decline of domestic textile industry was conducted. During this study, it was observed that the industry had gone through a decade-long decline. Per capita consumption of textile products dropped from 44 and a half pounds in 1947 to 36.2 pounds in 1957, a reduction of 19%, while exports of domestic textile products steadily declined during this period. The sale of cotton cloth declined by 29%, and exports of man-made fabrics also declined by 27%. The foreign market, however, for cloth made entirely or primarily of wool completely disappeared to a decline of 97%. During the same time, imports of textile products increased. Cotton increased from 6% to 22%, and there was a six-fold increase on imports of wool fabric. A 10-year evaluation of sales and production from 1947 to 1957 
showed that the total annual sales of all manufactured products in the United States increased by 112%. Textile milk production increased by 44%, and by the end of 1959, there had been a further increase of about 5.6% in all manufacturing sales. This was good for the domestic textile industry. However, textile sales went up only by 5.4% consumer trends, continuing to decline, and the total consumption expenditures on clothing and shoes. The multi-fiber arrangement of 1978. The purpose of this was to liberalize and expand world textile trade, while at the same time avoiding disruption in the individual markets. This is a difficult balance between the interest of exporting and importing countries, and like most compromises, the subject of controversy on both sides. Despite enormous problems, however, many believe that the agreement could provide a certain rule of law or orderliness to an area which would otherwise be subject to numerous unilateral actions that could threaten the structure of world trade. The multi-fiber agreement of 1978 was accepted and signed by nearly 50 nations. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainability Matters with Christina Trujillo. Don't forget to check out my YouTube channel for more videos on recycling and sustainability. Until next time.